Hey, y'all, you're listening to episode 171 of the God Sitter Mom podcast with me, Heather McFadden. And today I've invited my friend Kat Armstrong to talk about what could be a hot topic, but we're going to make it a little less toasty. We're talking about motherhood, career, and identity. You show me one of those stressed out women, and I can tell you a lot of it goes back to their perception that calling is about finding the perfect career for them, whether that's a stay-at-home mom, part-time working mom, or corporate America mom, whatever. Um, Calling is about career. It's about our identity. It's about aligning with God's will and changing the world. The, The word calling in the New Testament, according to the Apostle Paul, is always about belonging to Jesus being in fellowship with Jesus, being saved by Jesus, that our calling to salvation is holy and undeniable and irrevocable. Um, it's it, He talks about the word calling being something the Spirit has to enlighten us to because it's about salvation. And so I think it'd be helpful if we made a shift from that word calling, like, what's your calling? What's your calling to? My calling is fulfilled in salvation. Like, I'm called to Jesus. I am for G. This is the com- like complete fulfillment of who I am, my identity, my career. No matter what it looks like, will always be about. I'm a Christ follower, and I know that seems kind of trite, but it really. And here's what I think we should shift to: is away from this, the pressure of calling, making it into career, or what we do during the day, and instead talk about our assignment. Well, drop the mic, Kat Armstrong. That was amazing in just a minute and a half. So good. Kind of transformed my look at calling versus assignment, and you'll hear more of that in this episode. Kat Armstrong is a pastor's wife. She's also a seminary grad. She has started a non-for-profit for young professional women called Polished, and she's a small business owner of Baby Bowtie, which has helped out the Mac family greatly with lots of cute bow ties. My youngest is obsessed with bow ties, jeans, and boots. All right, now that's his uniform, and Kat's helped me out. But she did let me know that their shop is closing July 1st. She wants to focus in on polished and expanding it outside of Texas. So right now you can get bow ties for boys, girls, pets for only $5. And she didn't pay me to say this, but that's a great deal. They're really well made. Go check it out, babybowtie.com. But today, Kat's bringing a framework for us to process through this idea of motherhood, career, identity. She talks about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, this calling versus assignment, our constraints and recognizing our constraints and where are we flourishing and where are we not. Uh, This stuff is going to stick with you. It's almost going to be like the filter when you're needing to make decisions about what you're doing with your time and where God is placing you. Um, So helpful. We also answer your questions Thank you for sharing them via Insta Story when I did a shout out. We spent a lot of time talking about how women are not feeling emotionally supported by the church and how we can help each other through mentorship and how we actually can be the recipients of the blessing by blessing others. Great conversation there. At the end of the show, I'm going to share more details about the summer of mentorship, which goes along really well with what Kat and I talk about, and the GCM Podcast Club, six episodes coming your way in July and early August from mentors, and it would be a great time if you haven't started a GCM Podcast Club to get one going. Stick around at the end of this episode for more details about that. I'm also going to put in the show notes the link to an article. It's called Staying at Home with Kids versus Second Income, and it just walks through some of the biblical views on the first century church and what was life like and how life is different in a post-industrial society which thoughts I just think is interesting. If you're curious and you want to know more, uh, when Kat references the agrarian societies and how home was where everybody was and you want to learn more, that's that article. Check it out in the show notes. Um, More than anything, please know our heart is never to ostracize or exclude anyone to offend in any way. So please reach out to me if you have been offended uh, through Instagram or Facebook and know... uh, First and foremost, grace, grace, grace abounds for all of us. Um, But our goal, I share it here, is to remove guilt and to help with unity. So let's get right to it. Here we go. Hey, Kat, welcome to the God Center Mom podcast. I'm so excited to be with you this morning. (laughs) And I was telling you, I kind of wish it was like back in the days where we were at Lifetime Fitness and we could just 
chat while we were lifting weights and kind of get a workout in and a conversation. But, you know, I'll just sit here on the floor in my closet, do some crunches, and it'll be like old times. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Does that sound good? Yeah, oh, I miss Lifetime Fitness so much. I know. Me too. It's too expensive. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But it was it was good and you know, just to see how God's moving in your family and now that Aaron is a full time pastor and you know, you and what God's doing in your life, I'm excited to have you on the show, just having friends on and then to to cover like a hot topic like this is super fun. I feel like yeah. when I'm with a trusted friend, like we can do this. We can do this. <laughs> I feel the same way. Okay. I saw the topic and was like, okay, um, <laughs> yes, we can talk about that. We can talk about it. And this is our disclaimer, y'all listening. Uh, obviously, the topic of moms and work and careers, uh, we need your grace as you listen to us talk because we're going to fumble our way through. Um, obviously, our heart is never to offend. Obviously, mm-hmm. we can just assume that of each other. Personally, for me, my goal is to give grace to all the moms out there because there's one thing God does not want us to live in condemnation, and it can actually shackle us from being the women that God wants us to be, and also relationships. I don't want this topic to be a divider where we're mm-hmm. assuming judgment that other people have of us or where we are having judgment. Um, division is the enemy's tool for the church, and if I can dispel some of that div- division in this conversation that would be my second goal but you're awesome cat and i loved how you have embraced the next generation of women who i feel like millennials are go-getters maybe i'm wrong about that but i just feel like they get stuff done and um care they there's passion and um they know themselves a little bit more than maybe previous generations and mm-hmm. so uh this is definitely a topic that um I don't even, do you feel like millennials even question, like, should I work, should I keep working or just do the motherhood thing full time? Do you think that that's a question? I do. Okay. I do. I think that question will continue to be, yeah. yeah. Um, I think forever that'll be a challenge. I do think millennials are more progressive in the conversation, meaning they're farther along in it sooner because mm-hmm. they are making decisions about their future way early on. Yeah. Um, so they're staying in the workforce longer. They're, you know, they've surpassed the amount of men obtaining advanced educational degrees. And so that many of these millennials have done their graduate studies or PhD or gotten a doctorate. And so I think the conversation is a little bit different for them in that they're going, okay, but I have like a really invested interest in my <laughs> education. You know, like yeah. I spent a lot of money on my education yeah. and they have, they, they marry later in life. They're having fewer children. They're staying in the workforce longer. And so the conversation is a little bit different, but yeah, I think they, I think they have the same questions we do. Yeah. Well, I'm curious cause I haven't even heard your whole story, but I'd love for the listener to get to know you better. Tell, introduce her to your family and tell her about your journey to get to where you are now. Sure. Well, I mean, like Heather said, my name's Kat and Aaron is my husband. We've been married 15 years in August Congratulations. That's um, yeah, we, it's fun. It's so fun. And we have one son. His name's Caleb and he's four and a half. Um, so we uh, intentionally waited 10 years to have children. Um, one reason was we were really young when we got married. And another reason I wasn't sure I wanted to have a biological baby. Hmm. Um, there's so much behind that. I, you know, maybe a, another conversation for another day, but I didn't feel a stirring or a calling. I didn't feel, I don't know what was missing, but, um, boy, was I wrong. My, my sweet Caleb is just my little love. I love Mm -hmm. that kiddo, Mm -hmm. um, love being his mommy. So I've always worked outside the home or from home, uh, since I had a baby. So that's kind of my story is that I spent 10 years in the workforce as a kind of a serial entrepreneur, always starting new things or working for small companies, um, that made it big. And then I started a nonprofit nine years ago and um, that's really my full time work now. That's where all, where all everything I do during the day. And um, so Caleb, four years ago, entered that story. 
And he's changed a lot about how I work and when I work. And he's created some limitations and constraints, some things I can talk about later in the show Mm -hmm. that are super healthy um, for me and my family. And um, so that's a little, I've always been a working mom. So that's the perspective I'm coming from this morning. And just out of curiosity, because I feel like this is a part of our journey. Did your mom stay home? She did. Okay. And how many siblings and like, what was your home like, home life like growing up? I had one younger brother um, that lived at home with us. And so, yeah, my mom was incredible. She is incredible. She is like the kitchen magic. I'm always joking that it doesn't matter what she touches. It is beautifully presented and it tastes the best. It's the best thing (laughs) I've ever had in my life. So she, she has the cooking magic. Apparently that skips a generation. Um, (laughs) So she didn't uh, have you help her. Like it wasn't like you were in the kitchen and like this was, it was like she just did her magic and revealed the product afterwards. Yes. Okay. Yes. She was super invested in our lives and I wouldn't trade it for the world. Who I am was so shaped and marked by her presence. She was always present and she was the room mom and the choir mom and, Mm. um, Man, I just look back and that was part of my journey as well, really fighting. I'm not a lot like my mom in some ways. And so I, there was always a hesitation about having children, biological children for me in that I thought, I'm not like my mom though. And I wonder if I'd be stealing from them the most beautiful experience as a child. You know, it's almost like when you're thinking about getting a dog and you're like, I know this. I know listeners are gonna be like, "Is she seriously?" Okay, hear me on this. Hear me on this. Like when you're thinking about a dog and you live in an apartment, yeah. I go, gosh, it would be so unfair to have this huge Great Dane and not be able to walk him, and he wouldn't have any place to roam. And it's like a similar line of thinking for me was, I'm not like my mom in some ways, and so I wonder if I'd even be a good mom. Mm. And so I've had to reconcile a lot of things in my own heart of I'm wired differently, I parent differently, our lives look different, but my kid seems to be well adjusted and my husband is supportive. So those are kind of two markers for me if I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. Okay. So much to break down here because the gal listening, I don't know what her story is. I don't know where she's coming from. I don't know... (laughs) Like, is she already working outside the home and loaded down with guilt? Is she considering, like, she's not feeling satisfaction staying home full time and she's thinking maybe my satisfaction will come if I go back into the workplace, um, whether that's an in-home business or out of, home, out of the home. Um, I don't know if she's wanting to and her husband's saying no. I mean, there is so much, so much to break down and it's such an individual where I love just like mentoring one-on-one with people because I can ask them the exact question and let God kind of lead the counsel. But if we were going to talk through this topic, where would you start with a gal? If she comes to you and she's like, look, Kat, I'm struggling. Um, where would you, what would, questions would you ask her to consider? Yeah. I mean, I would, I would try to help her work through what I call a framework. And okay. I stole that word from <laughs> <laughs> a, a gal named Kate Harris, and she wrote a book called Wonder Woman. Okay. Um, Which, this is why you're wearing a Wonder Woman. <laughs> this is why you are obsessed with the new movie. I gotcha. Okay. And what was the name of the author again? Wonder Woman by? Kate Harris. Kate Harris. Okay. She put out this, I mean, it is tiny. It's, it looks like the tiniest little mini journal. It's 80 pages long. Most of it is pictures and charts and um, infographics. It was produced by, so it's tiny, uh, but it was produced by the Barna Group. I love them. They're like my favorite people. Yes. So the Barna Research Group sponsored this project and the book is called Wonder Woman. And the subtitle is Navigating the Challenges of Motherhood, Career, and Identity. Nice. I have read and reread this book one <laughs> zillion times. Everything's underlined. I feel like I should just read this aloud now. But, um, okay, so here's what if, – if a gal came to me with questions about motherhood, career, identity, I, 
I want to ask her a bazillion questions like you would. I'd also want to start with a framework and say, let's build a theological framework first, and then we'll funnel all of your questions through them. Hmm. And so the framework, uh, one part of it for me would be taking them to Mark chapter 12 and looking again at that the first and greatest commandment to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I would ask that woman, do you feel like I would break down that verse almost like a sermon and say, it says to love God with our all, not some or part, or it's, it's not complex. It's complete, like Mm. all of it, Mm. heart, soul, mind, strength. And I think women traditionally have majored in the heart and, uh, heart and soul. They're the heart and soul of the family. They're the heart and soul of the church. They're the heart and soul of society. And God commands us as women to love him with all of our heart and soul and our mind and strength. So I would challenge that person and just say, are you, if you're at home with your kiddos, are you loving God with all your mind and your strength? And do your kids see that? Because I know you're probably exercising heart and soul. And then the same thing for someone who feels uh, stirring to change their situation. Maybe they want to go back to work or stay at work or have babies and do work. Then I would ask them again, are you going to be able to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength in that next season? Because the answer could be different for different people. Yeah. Um, so I think that would be part of the framework for me. I think something else I would build into that, something I talk a lot about, is the difference between um, calling and assignment. Mm. And I'm, I'm like, I cannot get off this soapbox. <laughs> oh, that means that it's from the Lord. Let's do it. Okay, calling versus assignment. Yeah, so calling, I, I think as a society, um, and certainly the church, we've done that word a disservice. Mm. We have made calling our identity. And then we've also made, okay, so calling becomes, um, what I should do as a career. Mm -hmm. It also means changing the world. If you're a Christian, it also means aligning with God's will. Mm. So you show me a woman that feels stressed out and overwhelmed. Uh, apparently Kate's book says 68% of women feel that way, no matter what they do during the day. Mm. Um, you show me one of those stressed out women. And I can tell you a lot of it goes back to their perception that calling is about finding the perfect career for them, whether that's a stay at home mom, part-time working mom or corporate America mom, whatever. Um, calling is about career. It's about our identity it's about aligning with God's will and changing the world. So, <laughs> yeah, it's wow, so much pressure. Yeah, it's too yeah. much pressure. And yeah. here's what the scriptures have to say about that: the Apostle Paul, um, he was so intentional that one, two, three, four, four of his epistles start with the sentences that have the word "calling" in it, and not a single one of those verses have anything to do with career aligning with God's will or like navigating, navigating these complexities, the the word calling in the new Testament, according to the apostle Paul is always about belonging to Jesus, being in fellowship with Jesus, being saved by Jesus that our calling to salvation is holy and undeniable and irrevocable. Um, it's, he talks about the word calling being something the spirit has to enlighten us to because it's about salvation. And so I think it'd be helpful if we made a shift from that word calling, like what's your calling? What's your calling to my calling is fulfilled in salvation. Like Mm. I'm called to Jesus. I am for G this is the like complete fulfillment of who I am. My identity, my career, no matter what it looks like, will always be about I'm a Christ follower. And I know that seems kind of trite. <laughs> it really, and here's yeah. what I think we should shift to is away from this, the pressure of calling, making it into career or what we do during the day. And instead talk about our assignment. Mm-hmm. Cause right now I'm on an assignment to be a four year old's mom, a pastor's wife and to work full time for a nonprofit that I started. And at any moment, I am, I'm ready for God to say one of those assignments that they have to change, that my role yep. in those assignments. So, and I can't, you know, people hear me say that they're like, are you leaving polished? No, <laughs> I, I'm not planning on it. Um, but I'm open to the fact that 
I'm on an assignment with Polished right now to be the executive director and to lead. And that won't be the only assignment I have in life. I don't know what the next assignment will be. Right. So I'm going to focus on fulfilling this assignment for a lo- as long as God has me here. And I fangirled out over Jill Briscoe's. Oh my goodness. I was just going to bring that up. Yeah. I mean. Between your two feet. That's where it is. That's where, yes. that's where your calling is. Yes. Your calling is to go and make disciples. <laughs> Yeah, it really is. Between your two feet, like where you are planted. This is your, this is your assignment. You don't have to go out and find it or create it. Yeah. So if I were built, I would literally draw out for this woman listening in a square and I'd be like, let's build a framework first. Let's talk about Mark 12 and loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I want to challenge you in that. Are you really love? Is this the most important thing in your life? And then second, I would draw another line in the square and say, let's talk about calling and assignment. Have you put pressure on your career because you've made it your calling when your calling is to Jesus? And maybe are you missing out on the amazing fruit of your assignment right now, because you're wishing you were in a different assignment Mm -hmm. and that, that could be sin. And so, and then I would draw a third, a third line in that square and talk about constraints. And this is where, um, this wonder woman book by Kate Harris is so incredible. She talked about the incarnation in a way I've never heard described. So she talked about the fact that we have limitations and constraints on our life Yes, and that we hate it. We want to be infinite beings like God, mm-hmm. but we are finite. And the sooner we realize that, the more life starts to make sense that what works for someone that has two um, sets of parents living in town that are retired and wealthy that can watch your kids at any moment <laughs> is totally different yeah. than my sister who is a single mom. And doesn't have some of those options, right? right? And so that, so she talks about limitations and she talks about how the God of the universe through Christ put limits on himself Mm -hmm. to be human and God at the same time. And so we see that in Philippians too, you know, that God lowered himself, didn't consider himself equal with God um, and essentially let go of some of the glory he had in heaven to be incarnate with us here on earth. And so Kate talks about Christian women need to adopt this theology is true that we are finite beings and that if God constrained himself to be human, then we should follow his lead. And as humans look at our limitations as healthy. It's so true because that is, I've mentioned it on this podcast before. That's one of the first tenets of recovery when you go through a 12-step program, is to recognize your limitedness, that you're limited in your your power, you're limited in your view. We can think we know it all, and we don't. And as women and as moms, uh, we can sometimes even, you know, I know for me, when I don't have a job outside of home and my kids become my project, I develop an unhealthy codependency attachment from my identity and their behavior, because I think I know it all. I think I know how they should turn out. I think I know the best solution. I'd rely on God less. And so that probably goes, I mean, that's probably opposite of what people would think of the Christian woman, the Christian woman, the, Mm -hmm. we sometimes set up this epitome, like to be the most amazing Christian woman in the world, you are married, you have loads of kids, you homeschool them all, you stay home, you've cooked all their food Mm -hmm. and, um, made their clothes and the house is perfectly organized and you've done Bible lessons all day with them. You've had your own quiet time. Like we create this, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? We like, we've created this woman Mm -hmm. in our head and anytime we fall short of her, um, we feel that guilt and that shame. And then when we see any of those things in a friend, in order to feel better, we like like either reject her or feel bad about ourselves. And so it causes that division between us. And what you're saying here is that woman we've created in our mind <laughs> isn't anywhere in Paul's letters Mm-mm. or in God's longing for us that um, we need to sit down with God, go through this framework for ourselves 
recognize our limitedness and also recognize where, be realistic about where we are with loving God, with our heart, our soul, mm-hmm. our mind, and our strength and not um, try to be something that we're not. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I don't know. I feel yeah. like I just talked myself in a whole circle. It but. makes total sense to me. You know, I woke up this morning, Heather, it's so crazy that we scheduled to do this on Juneteenth. And I just been thinking about my um, sisters in Christ yeah. that are not white. Mm. And um, the study, the research that I've done on this topic of the role of women in society, in the yeah. church, in the workforce. Most of my studies at seminary and now are on those those three topics. And, you know, our perspective is so different um, than some of our friends of color. Yeah. That, um, that they essentially told me in some of the kindest and gentlest way, hey, some of the issues, Kat, that stress you out are, are very white, mm. a very evangelical issue. And in other circles, theological circles, women working or not working has nothing, has very little to do with identity and, um, desire has everything to do with our families flourishing Mm -hmm. and us just doing it the best way we know how. And in some ways, I think they have a lot to teach us in that, that, um, with less options comes a real focus on what really matters is our family flourishing. And so, I I mean, that's a, I hate to like say this would be my number one question for each person, but it would be, is your family, family flourishing? Yes. And that, that goes along with the constraint thing. So if, if my situation were different and Caleb didn't come home every day from preschool and say, when do I get to go back? Um, and if he didn't throw fits when I pick him up early to take him to go get ice cream, he's like, you didn't let me stay for the second playground time. And I love second playground time. (laughs) So I remember thinking like, I thought this would be an awesome working mom thing to do. Leave work early, go and take you to ice cream. But he was like, I like being at the park the second time. And you interrupted. Right. Right. So if it were different, I would be different because my family flourishing is more important than any of the uh, ambitions that I have. Mm, so true. So good. And I was, I was told you, uh, Bruce and I were on our walk talking and he, you know, he's a strength finders coach. So that's where he tends towards is uh-huh. talking about strength finders. And he said, I just, I wish that more people, men, women, everybody kind of knew themselves better mm-hmm. and could grasp that working on a weakness or trying to be better in a weak area, or like you said, like thinking if I do this, this is the right thing, um, Mm. that they would let that go and just embrace what, how God wired them to be like embrace that this is your strength and find an outlet for that strength. Um, if, if staying home with your kids and like, doing the birthday party thing, you know, sometimes we judge the Pinterest perfect mom, even Mm -hmm. that may be her living out her strength and her best version of herself and flourishing. Like Mm -hmm. oftentimes we see the action, we assume our motivation behind the action and we judge. Mm -hmm. So her motivation for that Pinterest perfect party may be like a true giftedness in planning and activating and, you know, she just loves it. Like mm-hmm. she's thriving in her, in her <laughs> assignment. She's thriving in her assignment. Her family is flourishing by doing mm-hmm. that. Now for me, I know there've been seasons where that is true for me, that throwing those parties makes me really thrive. But it also, I know other seasons <laughs> where mm-hmm. it's the motivator behind it is wrong. And I'm yelling at my kids, don't touch that thing, that angry bird ball that I just painted because it's got to be perfect (laughs) for the party. And I want everyone to think I'm awesome. And my motivator is more about other people's approval Mm -hmm. than it is about uh, God's approval, than it is about the family being happy, than my kids actually enjoying their birthday. So you getting to the heart, like you said, whatever... Sometimes we have the luxury of being um, worked up about some of these issues where in other cultures, communities, this is not even like Mm -hmm. a question. Um, 
I think for me and my sanctification process and being more Christ-like, the heart of it in a lot of these decisions is, you know, what what sin is coming out in my choice? If I'm struggling to leave that career and um, I'm home with a baby, even if it's just for the first few weeks that, you know, we stay home after and we're going to go back to work. And it's really, it's not just hard because I'm up every few hours, but it's hard because I'm finding, wow, I found a lot of um, the accolades really fed my ego. Mm-hmm. And I'm struggling because I don't have that ego uh, mm-hmm. motivator anymore. And serving is not cutting it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, God, reveal what is this show in my own heart? Um, because I can be doing the exact same actions from a pure place mm-hmm. or from a place that's seeking man's approval or it's become an idol. So some of this journey we have as moms is totally not about what we're doing. <laughs> like, yeah. mm-hmm. It's about God taking us from a place of dependency on our abilities and our plans, like you said, and being dependent on him and his assignment and his place for you um, in that, that messy process. Uh, mm-hmm. And you and I were talking about, like I said, is there any commandment in scripture that says we have to stay home like and I know culturally that was what happened Mm -hmm. but you had something interesting you were telling me I mean no we don't see any um biblical imperative is what they would call it or imperative fancy seminary student yeah there's there's no like command Mm -hmm. that says like love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We don't see an equivalent for just women that says you need to be at home with your family. What's really interesting about that sentence is even that sentence has everything to do with the context. It has to do with you and I know what we mean in as a modern evangelical white woman living in the U S right. In right. 2017, right. right. That means something when I say be at home, I'm assuming that that means a stay-at-home mom. Um, And the assumptions were totally different in the New Testament specifically, definitely the Old Testament. That's a whole whole other thing. But, you know, the New Testament is closer to us time-wise. And a first-century Jewish person reading the New Testament, looking at Paul's epistles, understanding Paul's instructions to women and men would have understood that when he talks to Titus and he says that older women should be involved with younger, of course, that's a timeless truth. When he talks to women about um, being intentional at home, that is a beautiful, timeless truth. And we also have to understand context that in that time, everyone was home. It was an agrarian society. This is pre-industrial revolution. <laughs> this is the, the men weren't going off to work and the women staying home. It wasn't right. an admonition to do that kind of life. Well, it, we have to understand what Paul was saying to his original audience and then apply it to where we are now. And he was talking to an agrarian society where the husband and wife and all the kids were at home together and everyone was involved in a type of family business. Or and like multi-generational, make. like you said. Yes, like, yes, yes, yes. Like a grandma was involved. Yeah. The way their homes were organized, it wasn't just going to be a white picket fence and two and a half people in that home, you know, with a dog. This is we're talking about. <laughs> An agrarian society where they lived on large plots of land, their homes were large. Usually they housed not only their immediate family, but their extended family. And because of the way work was organized at the home, they sometimes had their employees living with them because they worked at the house. And so we don't see anything in the New Testament that says you've got to be home. What we do see is a theme from Genesis to Revelation that we were created to flourish and co-create as God's image bearers. We also see from beginning to end that that looks differently for the Jesus followers in the new Testament. Mm -hmm. We find that there were women who left their husbands in society to go and follow Jesus and financially support his ministry. 
Yeah. We see Proverbs 31 that she was up early. She was traveling. She was into real estate. She was working. She was selling her goods. She was making a profit and she was a great mom. Um, we see women that were infertile in the new Testament being used by God to prophesy and do amazing things. And so it flourishing and bearing God's image is not so much about a role or a title or a job. Um, it's about following the spirit's leading. And I, this is like, so trite again, (laughs) like, you know what I mean? The spirit is what led you to leave your job. Yeah. And the spirit I feel is what led me to start polished. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'm trying to lean into the constraints of my life and go, husband, are you really okay with this? Caleb, are you doing okay at school? If someone in this equation's not, we'll make a change. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how much I've shared on the podcast about my just journey as a mom and working outside the home, working in the home, all the different roles. And sometimes it looked like being in charge of registration at mops. I mean, that's what it was for that period of time. I have always had to have a something else right now doing this podcast. Like it may not seem like it's a job, but it's a job. Oh yeah. (laughs) I allocate time to it. I sacrifice things to do it. I, um, fit it in when I can, but it's an assignment that I felt led by God to do. And I'm because of that, like your phrasing, I love, I'm also open-handed with it. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know strength finders wise. I'm not very strategic, but I don't have like this ultimate goal of this place I'm going to take it or these dreams or I'm literally just step by step following God. What do you have for me next? And I f- have felt more freedom in that and all the different. I had a job once where um, I had Quaid and I would bring him. I drive an hour to UNT, uh, University of North Texas. A student would watch him in an office like I'd bring a there was a playpen and. I'd bring food and he'd nap and I taught a university course for an hour and a half and then I'd drive home and during nap times I'd write up, you know, tests and, you know, work on assignments in my lectures, but it was enough for me to flourish in that season. Mm-hmm. I I mean, all your phrasing cat is amazing. Assignment, flourishing, mm-hmm. these are so good for women to think through because she, she, it may be a conversation. What about the gal who's not flourishing? She has got, uh, work. She's got church commitments. She's got home commitments. She'd like to maybe work out. Maybe she'd like some quiet time with God and she's feeling just overwhelmed full. Like she's struggling Mm -hmm. because life is full and maybe she's not feeling like it's flourishing, but financially they're dependent on that. Like this Mm -hmm. is not a choice. Like you said, and mm-hmm. for a lot of our sisters in Christ, this is not a choice. Mm-hmm. What can we do to help her? Because um, balance is a fallacy. Um, mm-hmm. What What would we say to that? Ooh, um, <laughs> like we have some magical wand that we're going <laughs> to fix the problem that's been haunting us for a lifetime. You know, there, there's a statistic I talk a lot about, and it's that 43% of women feel zero emotional support from their local church. Hmm. 43%. I mean, that's almost half of women, irregardless if they're moms, single, working, not 43% of women right now feel as though the, the church doesn't offer them any emotional support. And I think that's underlying that question of what do you say to a woman that's working and stressed out and doesn't know what to do and she doesn't have options? And what do you say to the stay at home mom who's been um, reared in a way that she believes that's her only option, but she's dreaming, fantasizing about getting a part-time job or giving back or doing something. And what about the corporate exec? I mean, it's so complicated. Um, But I do know that something that's unifying half of women is that we're not feeling emotional support at the local church. And I think for those of us who are committed to the church, because Jesus was, that we have to reevaluate, am I making some time for my local church so that I can be invested there, so that I can create a support system for other women, whether they're working or not? 
And the only reason I feel confident bringing that up is because I'm constantly telling the church and church leaders about my research with young professional women that they're not, they're not going to church anymore. Yeah. They're like, they're, they're not going. And so I'm, I'm always telling the church, you got to do this better. You got to do this better. You got to do this better. On the flip side, I'm telling women, you need to be involved in your local church. Mm. And maybe one of the reasons we don't feel supported by the local church is we're not invested there. And I know it's a harsh and by invested, you mean like t- not just showing up, going to a service and leaving? No, I mean, it's yeah. got to be more than just attending. I mean, yeah. we, I had a young woman who was upset that she didn't feel as loved by me as she wanted to. And I said, I have not seen you in nine months. Mm. I mean, mm. how, how can I love you when I don't have access to you? Mm. How can I support you? When I I don't have access to you, I never see you. Mm. And I think that's how the church feels many times when they're going, all we want to do is support women where they are. We're willing, we're ready, we've got budgets. And there's a disconnect. And I think the, the women who don't feel emotional support from the church or maybe struggling with this right now, they need to reevaluate, okay, yeah, maybe the church could do some things differently, but are we are we willing to show up over and over and over mm. so they can love us? Mm. And this the struggle of, is it attending more programming? I don't know. Like, is it another Bible study? Is it another? Where? How would we feel supported by the church? Like, what would it look like to have that need met? Is it, I, I have loved for me, I have found the most support in my journey through mentors Mm-hmm. who have, um, outside of time at the church, who have reached out, who have um, come to my house and prayed. Uh, on Monday mornings, I've prayed with a group. And last Monday, I was there. And you know Nancy Williams? Yeah. Love her. Yeah, she um, To have her pray over me, to have her uh, always say the right thing to encourage me is where I felt emotional support from the church because it's, it's those older women. It's the tightest thing you were talking about. It's them speaking life into me through the power of the Holy spirit in the right moment when I needed to hear it. Mm. So I'm just curious. Like, I don't know if it's more programming or it's more people. Like maybe it's up to the women in the Mm. church. Uh, I sometimes think the generation before us didn't quite grasp this, how do I have an identity outside mm-hmm. of motherhood thing? So they're really working on it now. Mm-hmm. And they're really, they've poured so much into their kids uh, that they lost themselves a little bit. And they're trying to find themselves again. And that is pulling them away from mentoring. I don't know. I'm making this all up as I'm talking. Mm-hmm. So I have no Barna study statistics <laughs> to it. back this up. But it's just kind of in watching. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think Nancy Williams, she had, you know, our Vicky Craft to model it for her. And she mm-hmm. then, Nancy poured into Leslie, who's also poured into me. Like, when you've mm-hmm. seen it done, you do it. Mm-hmm. And have we let that next generation down by not offering the emotional support that they're seeking, mm-hmm. like, in a personal way? Like you said, I I didn't see you at church. Um, mm-hmm. And that's exactly like with Nancy at she has reached out through text or whatever, but the most empowering times have been when I'm dropping off Knox at preschool and she's the teacher and mm-hmm. it's a conversation over the little half doorway, <laughs> you know, yep. like it's not anything mm-hmm. big or programmed or it's very mm-hmm. organic, but it is mm-hmm. me showing up. Yes. Yeah. I mean, obviously like shameless plug for polished, you know, like, <laughs> I think <laughs> yeah, every, tell me what every, is polished. You've said polished, yeah. but what is it for people that don't know? I mean, we're we're a nonprofit that we share the gospel with young professional women, and so we exist um, to share the gospel with the lost and disconnected, working women that are usually millennials. And so, part of me is like, we need to have a polished at every single church, like we have mm. celebrate recovery at every church mm. and mops at every church. And yeah. This is an incredible yeah. way to support working moms. Um, But I have to say, I agree with you so wholeheartedly. And also for me, 
I have found my support system are the other leaders in Polish. And let me flesh this out for you. I show up for nine years for my Polish leaders. We've got 160 in five different cities. I am praying over my directors every Monday morning. Man, I'm showing up for them. I think to the best of my ability, I'm so invested and I just keep pouring myself out and pouring myself out. And you know what's counterintuitive is that the more I've poured myself out, when my father passed away just a few weeks ago, there was an army of right. support. Right. From the women that I had been investing my life into mm -hmm. for almost a decade. It makes me want to cry. They were they were there for me. I yeah. feel I feel the opposite of that statistic. I feel 150% supported by mm -hmm. my local church. Yes. And I I think to myself everyone should feel this loved. Everyone mm -hmm. should feel as loved as I felt the last month of my life. And then I went back to why is this? It's not because Aaron's a pastor. It's not. <laughs> right. It's not. Right. And it's not because I've been showing up to a Bible study. It's because I've been pouring my life out. And there's something reciprocal that happens when we carry each other's burdens. And so what I find is the women who feel the least emotional support from their local church when they're working moms, stay-at-home moms, whatever, is that they're not actually pouring their lives out to benefit the church. Right. Right. As much as they could. And it feels counterintuitive that like, why would I give more when I feel no emotional support from them? And the emotional support comes when we are so invested in people's lives. So true. I said that I was talking to Elisa Keaton. She has Revelation Wellness. If y'all, we joked about working out earlier. If you need an excuse to work out and hear about Jesus, go listen to Revelation Wellness podcast. It's great. She like does scripture and worship music and she talks you through a workout, but she also does interviews and she had me on and I was sharing about, you know, the same with my dad passing away that God had poured into my life in a way I didn't realize when I was pouring out, like he was preparing relationships. The first people who brought meals, the first people who mm -hmm. walked through, who showed up at the hospital when he was getting sick to pray with me were the ones that God and his orchestration had allowed me to pour into for the past mm -hmm. year and a half. Yep. Um, it's not wasted. What you, <laughs> what is it? So you reap. So, yeah. uh, if you sow things of the spirit, if you're not, this isn't workspace. We're not saying do lots of things in the church. Again, it's the motivator. What's your motivator behind your actions? So the motivator is from a place of the Holy Spirit's leading. You are drawn to your assignment. I had to look a minute. You're drawn to your assignment and you're trusting that that's not a mistake and that the Holy Spirit's at work and you don't even get the blessing that's coming. The irony of a passing of a father being a blessing, but the blessing of the people that will pour into you and that you'll get to see God work through. Um, yeah, this is, mm, girl. Yeah, I think that, okay, I'll say one more thing. It's real quick about the um, solutions for those things. You know, yeah. the, yeah. Here's, what I, here's what I would challenge some of your listeners on is that if you have a heart cry, I mean, mm -hmm. something that continues to come up in prayer I want more community. I want more support. I want to, I want people to know me. I don't want to feel lonely anymore. I don't want to feel like I'm alone on this assignment that I'm in right now. It's working mom or stay at home mom, whatever it is. Um, you're, you're probably the answer to your prayer. Mm. I really think that I know it's so radical and could be crazy, but there are so many times that the spirit has shown me, you continue to ask me for this, and I've given you everything for life and godliness, everything. And so let's say you really want a Bible study with other working moms, then start one. Yeah, you are, create you are the thing you're craving. Create the Go thing ahead. you're craving, yeah. Seriously, yeah. I mean, be the, be the solution. And I think a lot of us are hesitant for so many reasons, but I, you've got to be the solution sometimes. And sometimes when you feel like my prayers are just not being answered. And I wondered if it's because God said, I, that's, you are the answer. You're mm -hmm. just, you're not doing anything about it. So instead mm -hmm. of looking for a Bible study to be in, just start one. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Okay. Do you think we could answer some of these questions I got? I mean, we, do you have a couple we minutes? Try. We can try. Yeah, we can try. Okay, so one gal um, wrote that she's struggling with timing. She's growing her family right now. They just had their second son, but she feels like if 
she's not making moves towards her ultimate career, it's going to be too late. At the same time, she feels like she shouldn't bother building that career because she'll probably just have more newborns and toddlers the next five years. It feels discouraging that she's missing out on both. I can't enjoy my babies without feeling bad that I'm not working towards my personal goals. What do you you got, Kat? (laughs) I mean, it sounds like her assignment's uh, pretty well defined right now. You know, toddlers require a lot from us. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think my, my challenge to that person would be God opens doors. No man, no man can open. And so when, when we look at a situation and we go, if I let this opportunity pass me by, if these six years pass me by, if there's a break on my resume for 10 years, what will happen? We are not believing that God ordained our days yep. and that he has decided what he wants to do with our lives. Yep. And we have to be invested in our current assignment, knowing that when he changes the assignment, he will give us everything we need to complete it. Everything. He equips the people he calls. And so we, uh, that would be my encouragement to your listener is totally God, I mean, God's on the other side of that break from the workforce. I think sometimes when we feel that angst, that fear of missing out, um, that's Mm -hmm. never from the Lord. And it's us trying to orchestrate an outcome that um, may never be what we're supposed to be doing. Um, We never know uh, what those kids or husband or circumstances are going to bring to our lives that completely shift the story. Um, I, I do remember... I mean, I was working my way up in the speech language pathology realm here, people. Like, I I don't talk about it much, but I had a private practice. I was writing um, assessment tools. I was speaking nationally. Um, I had a business partner. Like, I thought a childhood apraxia speech was my thing, and I was going to be an expert in it. And that completely went away and shifted for a season. I For a decade, I made people. Like... <laughs> For a decade, I just baby nursing, baby nursing, and it did feel like when I gave up certain position and roles and state leadership that I was say I was getting off the train and bye bye career. But it was just God shifting and trusting Him in that shift is hard. It's very very difficult, and I don't discount those struggles with the timing. Um, I think just with like anything hard in our life, trusting God is it. (laughs) Faith is it. It's again, going back to that, help me with my unbelief. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not believing that I can reenter the workforce. If I step off the train, I'm not believing that this is going to work out. Um, Help me to believe you and to trust you that um, Mm -hmm. you did not give me these gifts, these talents, these interests to be wasted. Um, that I, that you, like, what was it? Vicki Kraft went back to seminary at what, 55? Yep. That's like my go-to all the time. Yeah, like my well, life isn't over. I've got no, so much no. life to live. And when I was in a group through our church um, with some older ladies, I just love hanging out with older ladies. Apparently we would knit and crochet. I'm not kidding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I didn't even have kids yet. I just knit and crochet with them. And I remember talking with them. I thought they've had more years after their kids have gone off to college than they ever had kids at home. Like it just helped me with perspective on letting go of some of those things. Um, okay. How do you know what you're good at? Whew. Would it matter <laughs> if the money is not good? When do you know you are ready to start your own thing? I laugh in the most inappropriate situation, so I'd like to put that. I'm not laughing at your listener. No. Because I'm not sure how to answer it. But you know what? Who would be good at that is Bruce McFadden. Yeah, if you want string finders, take string finders. That'll help you know what you're good at. And not in a way that's like you're good at crocheting, like in a way that's these are my strengths and I need to find outlets for them. So check out string finders. I mean, I could speak to that, that part of her question, which is about, you know, what if the money's not good? Okay. So I can speak to (laughs) with such great authority. (laughs) Um, so I start, help start polish nine years ago. I didn't get paid for the first five years. And then when I did start getting paid, um, I wasn't getting paid enough to cover the cost of my childcare, which was my mom at the time. And then I, the next two years I could cover only the cost of childcare. 
And this is, uh, I've spoken about this only a few times because I feel safe on this platform. I feel safe with you, Heather, but okay. you know, there's definitely been some pushback in my life. Godly people going, why would you spend seven and a half years of your life hmm. building something, you know, you're away from your kid, um, 30 plus hours a week, um, and not getting paid well, you know, and that, that, that's the determining factor of why we return back to work or not. And for me, the decision wasn't about that. And it wasn't for Aaron either for Aaron, my husband, he approached this decision in our life for me to keep doing this every year. We'd have this conversation. Do I want to keep doing this? Um, and for Aaron, he kept coming back to saying, it is my sacred responsibility to see you flourish. Hmm. That is my sacred responsibility. I feel like this avenue accomplishes that in the best way. Yep. And for me, I was going, the passion is not gone. The opportunity is still available. And I have childcare, a really unique situation with childcare with my mom. Um, so I think the factors all have to align, but I don't think it should always be about money either way. Cause I know friends that are like, but the money is so good. Right. Like the benefits are so, how could I leave this? I don't think that's what the decision should always be about. It should really be about, is your family flourishing? Right. Right. Well, and that would go back to, is there a commandment? Yeah. About money. Mm -hmm. I mean, we should never make that be the idol either way. Um, keeping us from doing the things that he has assigned us to or, Removing us from the things. Um, that's good. See, you have the answers. You've got them. <laughs> okay, this is a tricky one. Um, <laughs> I'm laughing too because I get this. Uh, are there scenarios where it would be in the best interest of the family for the mom to work? For instance, my son is extremely strong-willed and incredibly so with me. Although I'm firm and have consistent boundaries, my husband and I noticed he's the best behaved with others and have spoken about it if it would be in his best interest for me to go back to work so he would have less extreme tantrums. I don't know. Just some thoughts on that would be helpful. I think I'm going to face like lots of angries maybe, but my answer would be yes. Yeah. Of course. Mine would be so unequivocally, of course. Yeah. I, I told you that in my master's degree, I wrote a paper on does it matter if moms mm -hmm. stay at home full time or not? Like, is it, what does the research show? And this was totally a secular school. This is not coming from any Christian background or um, anecdotes. And they found that if a mom does not want to be home with kids, it is better for her kids. Like, and I'm not saying like, it's just not fun. Like, <laughs> like right. it's really a, a mismatch. Um, it's better for her to, to have that space from her child and then reunite with her child like in the long term for social emotional development um, than it is for her to be in that state around raising children, which I was like, wow, that's powerful. Cause there's days where I'm like that. <laughs> I think I'm like, it would be better for y'all if I am not around you right now. Uh -huh. um, which to me is a red flag that I need some time to myself cause I'm not being my best version of myself. Uh, but I, I think in this situation, yeah, I would say try some, like try, like maybe it's not a full-time mm -hmm. job that you're getting, but perhaps it's some time to see if that, maybe that strong-willedness is coming from a power struggle that mm -hmm. goes away when you have space. Um, again, I don't have an age of a child. I had some strong-willed kids and um, I found that that will kind of, it's, it's lessened over the years. Um, but we've had some drawn out battles that mm -hmm. I wish we hadn't have had, but I don't know that, I don't know that less time with them would have gotten away from the battles. Does that make sense? It's not like mm -hmm. you're going to have to spend some time with that child. So yep. it, it, for me, it was more, okay, his will is coming against my will. <laughs> yep. And actually what he needs is not stronger will. He needs more empathy. So I would recommend some of the stuff that Sally Clarkson's done with her mm -hmm. son. Um, he has OCD and a couple other uh, ADHD and things like that. And she's found some ways to connect with her child outside of like battling and stronger and firmer boundaries, but like more connection and mm -hmm. sympathy um, to work. And it's kind of, I think I wrote a post inside out 
approach to parenting that was like helpful Mm -hmm. when I read her stuff. Anyway, yes and no. Like I think space could be helpful because again, we're giving advice to a situation we don't know completely. Mm -hmm. Um, So trying it wouldn't hurt. But also I think sometimes that's not going to get rid of the core problem of you're not connecting. And so perhaps it's a different approach to the parenting that's not firmer boundaries and consistency, but anyway, anyway, that's what I've got. Um, I think we've covered some of the other questions. Yeah. Um, one mom said, will I ever stop feeling guilty about missing moments with my kids because I choose to work? I know there's freedom in Christ from all the guilt and I know this is where he wants me to use me, but I feel it always linger in the back of my mind. Gosh, that makes me cry. I know. Because I think it, even when, I don't know, maybe I can't speak to a stay-at-home mom perspective, but we miss, sometimes we miss the most treasured moments because they're with a babysitter and we're home all day, every day. And in the moment we leave them with a babysitter for one night out, something extraordinary happens. And you're, there's definitely, um, underlying in that question of you take it to the extreme and you think, yeah, the answer is yeah. I mean, I don't know if that, that feeling will ever go away that gosh, we could be missing out on something. I know my husband and I have planned a week long vacation on his sabbatical and my son will be with my in-laws. And even in that, I'm like, Oh my gosh, is he going to ride the bike perfectly while we're gone? Because that will kill me. It'll be the only week that we're gone. Of course it will happen that week. Right. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Heather? So I heard a gal speak once that was very helpful to me. She said, as far as your children's memory of childhood, they're going to remember how they feel more than what's done. Like, mm. Did they feel loved? Did they feel accepted? Did they did they feel your pleasure and your approval and your love? Um, but then they also will have a memory of things done repetitively. So if you're someone who likes to cook dinner and they're playing around your feet. They'll have memories of you in the kitchen like you do of your mom. Like she's in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. She does that because it happened repetitively. These one-off amazing trips to Disney World actually may not be as memorable sometimes because it's like this random thing versus these, uh, you know, moments of their life like bedtime rituals or mm-hmm. um, Saturday morning, you know, pancake, whatever the ritual is, will actually mm-hmm. probably sear deeper and have a bigger impact in in their development than these one-off moments. So fearing missing a moment might actually cause us to treat our child differently and actually not be our, you know, bring our best selves to the child when we are with them. Mm-hmm. Like be fully present and enjoy when you're with them, you know, instead of holding that guilt that you missed something. I don't know. Oh, that's good. You, you need to erase my answer and just keep <laughs> yours. That was so good. Right. Okay. Oh, good. All right. Well, that's hopefully encouraging. Hopefully we have just encouraged moms and uh, done the two goals of bringing grace and bringing unity. Mm-hmm. That's my, that's my hope. And I appreciate all of your wisdom, Kat, that you brought. So good. So helpful. So, I'm so, so honored, honored to be on the show with you today. Well, uh, where can people find you online? Because I know you write and speak. Yes, um, catarmstrong.net. Okay. So I've got a blog and all my info's on there. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you, Kat, and enjoy your week away. Thanks, Heather. <laughs> all right. <laughs> bye. Okay, bye. I feel like a lot of the last part of our conversation talking about being the answer to your prayer or not feeling emotionally supported by the church and the role of mentorship and, and the church all comes together when we talk about the God Center Mom Podcast Club. I'm helping y'all create the thing that you're craving so that you don't feel alone in your motherhood. So whether you are working outside the house, whether you're working in the house, whether you aren't working outside the house, but you have lots of littles and you're just so tired of not seeing adults all day, 
I'm helping you create the thing that you're craving, which is community and conversation and using your mind. And maybe you're just really gifted in, you know, connecting people. Well, the God Center Mom Podcast Club was an idea started by one of our listeners. You basically... It's, it's very lazy on my part and all the work's on your part. No. You decide when you meet, where you meet, who's coming, whether it's kids, no kids. I'm partial to no kids, but I know for some people that's not an option. So uh, gals have even looped their churches into this and the churches have provided childcare and a space to meet. I provide the curriculum. I'm providing six weeks of curriculum. You can spread those out and meet every other week. You can meet once a week, you can meet once a month, and I provide the discussion questions. So coming up starting in July for six weeks, we're going to have the Summer of Mentorship where I'm going to be re-releasing episodes from previous guests who have been mentors to me or mentors to us in this podcast who are providing wisdom. We know that mentors are still people, that they are still all, you know, imperfect and that they all have had to lean on God in their own story. So we're not looking to them to be the perfect uh, leader or person to guide us, but just to more provide perspective and a plan as we wade through these waters of womanhood and motherhood. So that's what's going to happen starting in July. If you have never signed up for the GCM Podcast Club, go to godsittermom.com and on the right sidebar, is a spot to put your email address in. You can click the button for the show notes if you want the show notes with the discussion questions to come into your inbox every single week. Um, I'm going to start adding those discussion questions to the show notes um, for this summer of mentorship. If you just want it all in one PDF, a two-page PDF, then you click the box GCM Podcast Club and you'll get emails from me with updates and with links to get that curriculum. Uh, I should be releasing it sometime next week. So I think that's it. Uh, and we also have a Facebook page for GCM podcast leaders. It's great. They all support each other and give each other ideas on what's working, what's not working. We have over a 1,000 women signed up to be leaders, which is so great. Uh, I love, you know, some women are real creative and they're doing it all online. Um, what, there's one group that they actually have created a private Facebook page and their group does a live Facebook feed and from their home they're hanging out and discussing this. That's one option. So many options. I would never limit God in the amount of options available out there. But if you're that interests you and you are feeling alone in your motherhood, no matter what your career is, no matter where your assignment is right now, you just want to connect with women, check that out at GodCenterMom.com backslash podcast club. All right. Y'all are the best. Have a great week. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to godcenteredmom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.